Are these surging oil prices actually deflationary? Now I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, hey moron, higher oil prices, that's consumer prices, that's gonna be inflation, that's gonna be higher rates and more rate hikes from the Federal Reserve. Everybody knows that, except not everybody does know that. The markets right now are pricing out oil prices. They're basically ignoring the surge in WTI and Brent and other benchmarks around the world. And I don't just mean nominal cash market rates or even the forward rates that we talk about like Uriber or term sofa futures. I mean specifically the bond market part that is dedicated to pricing inflation expectations. I'm talking about tips, inflation break-evens. Now normally, as you would expect, WTI oil prices correlate very closely with tips break-evens, suspiciously closely, because they shouldn't be this closely aligned, but they have been. Up until recently, last year importantly, which we'll talk about later, as well as right now, tips inflation break-evens are doing one thing while oil prices are doing a complete different thing. Oil prices are surging to the highs that we haven't seen since 2022, and break-evens are actually lower over the last couple weeks, which is telling us something important about oil, the economic circumstances, the probability of interest rates, where they're actually gonna go, and overall, deflation and recession. Those two things together, maybe that does explain why we're seeing the divergence between break-evens, inflation expectations in the market, and where oil prices are going because of supply factors not demand factors. So are oil prices actually deflationary? Well, that's what the evidence is showing us. But first, I'm Jeff, this is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. If you're interested, Eurodollar University, we have memberships and research subscriptions available. We also do webinars now, apparently, because the last one was very well attended. So stay tuned for that. If you want information on pretty much everything that we do at Eurodollar University, just check out our website. It's eurodollar.com university. This might be a case where be careful what you wish for. The Saudis have been wishing for higher oil prices and they have been willing to put their supply where their mouth has been. And ever since, you know, really the banking crisis, early April, OPEC and in particular Saudi Arabia has been saying, look, we don't care about oil. we don't care about demand. We don't care about China. We're going to restrict supply as long as it takes to drain inventories, to 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 rebalance the entire oil market equation in favor of higher prices. If the economy's weak, okay, then we're just going to restrict supply enough until inventories decline and it gets prices back to where the Saudis and OPEC want it to be, which is harmfully closer to 100 than where it was heading before the Saudis really stepped up to restrict their production. And we see that in uh, inventory statistics in the United States this year, because remember early part of the year actually went back into last year from around late November into December, January, and the first part of February, oil inventories in the U.S. absolutely surged. They skyrocketed largely because China reopening that everybody was anticipating being a big thing turned out to be a whole big, huge dud. So we had a lot of oil that had no place else to go except for storage in the U.S. and other places around the world, which triggered OPEC, Saudi Arabia, starting to rethink their entire strategy for 2023. It was, hey, let's let 
demand come back. Let's let China come back. Let's let Europe come back from its last year's oil price shock, which we'll talk to talk about in just a minute. Let's let the global economy heal. Let's ride the wave of the U.S. labor market and oil prices will rise based on demand. But oil prices instead, especially after the oil shock, or not the oil shock, but the bank shock in March and April, oil prices went down. And so that's when the change happened in Riyadh and other places, other oil producing countries where they said, hey, if you want to take the lead on supply shocks and get prices back up, we're more than willing to let you do that. And so there was the oil, the OPEC cut in quotas back in early April. That only lasted a couple of weeks. And then the bank, uh, bank credit crunch and bank crisis considerations overwhelmed that. Uh, a couple months later, the Saudis said, look, we're going to keep, we're going to cut production by a million barrels per day for the entire month of what was it, June. And then they extended it to July and then August and then September. Now they're saying we're going to keep restricting supply as long as it takes until oil prices do what we want it to. And now, since late June into July, uh, uh, now August and September, oil prices are the highest they've been since last year. They got what they wanted. And they got what they wanted in terms of U.S. inventories, too. You look at the statistics from the Energy Information Administration, what you see is that as I said, oil inventories were incredibly low back last November, around 419 million barrels. They popped to 479 million barrels by February 17th, an incredible jump in a short period of time, which is not a good sign economically as it turned out to be. Um, even as late as May 5th, the domestic inventories were still around 462 million barrels. But ever since then, up until the latest week, uh, late latest weekly estimate, which just came out from the EIA, the Energy Information Administration, in September, first week of September, inventories have fallen back to 416.6 million barrels, which is less than we started with back last November. So job well done, Saudi Arabia. U.S. inventories, along with an increase in production, have made up only part of what the Saudis have taken off the global marketplace. And as a response, with U.S. inventories falling, oil prices are going up, which brings us back to the original problem, the original question. Why wouldn't that be inflationary? Because as everybody, everybody knows, higher oil prices are inflation, except the bond market, the tips market, inflation break-evens. There's something disconnected here because oil prices are going up and it's not having that same impact on the market. Even if we, I mean, we all know it's going to have that impact on Jay Powell and the FOMC or Christine Lagarde and the ECB. They're going to look at higher oil prices and in the short run, higher CPIs and think that's more inflation pressures. That's going to be inflationary in the, in the short run. It's going to be inflationary as they understand it. And a big part of the problem here stems from a major misunderstanding of what happened in the 1970s during the Great Inflation. To this day, people don't understand that the Great Inflation was actually two things. It was, first of all, an actual Great Inflation, which was an underlying inflation, money printing, that stuff. The real inflation, genuine inflation type, that had started all the way back in 1965, and really 1966 is when it got going. Then on top of a great inflation, we had not one, but two oil shocks. There was an oil shock in late 1973, but really 1974. And then another one, an even bigger one in 1979. 
But those two things were not the same thing. We had inflation underlying two oil shocks on top. And what you see is when you actually go back and look at the data is, yes, before we ever got to 1973, the great inflation was already seven, maybe eight years old by then. And oil prices during that early period were not any part of it whatsoever. Oil prices were steady up until the Yom Kippur War in 1973, leading to the oil embargo. And then in late 1973, suddenly oil prices jump after inflation had been building and building, had gone through a recession in 1969 and 1970, had dipped after the recession, then started spiking all over again. Inflation was back up in 72 and 73, even before the oil price, embar oil price spike and the embargo. And what happened in 73 and really 1974 was not oil becoming inflation, but oil adding too much pressure to an economy that was already in deep trouble. Even though we just had a recession in 1970, there would be another one in 1974, even though payrolls didn't decline until the middle of 1974. So we had a recession in 74 that was precipitated in big and large part because of the oil price spike combined with legitimate inflation. Then the process repeated all over again in the second half of the 1970s. You had, you had CPIs and consumer prices that were, out, they were acting independently of oil prices. They had uh, the consumer prices that were relieved somewhat by the 74-75 recession, but then 1977 and really 1978, consumer prices are starting to accelerate again. Then we have troubles in Iran, concerns about the availability of Iranian oil supply at a particularly difficult moment. Suddenly oil prices start to surge all over again. And by the time we get to 1979, even before Paul Volcker, you know, oil prices going up as well as inflation. So you got both of those combining again in 79 and then recession in 1980. 80. So oil prices are not inflation. They can contribute a lot to consumer price indexes, but they are not inflation. And often what we see when we have an oil price shock of that magnitude or those magnitudes, the two, the pair of them in the 1970s, is that you will see a recession. But if there wasn't the underlying inflation in the 1970s, then consumer prices would have behaved very differently. After the oil price shock provoked the recession, you would have seen more disinflation than you did in the consumer price index. You would have seen disinflation stick. But because there was that background of inflation, as the markets told us, as the monetary system told us, as the banking system told us, and to an extent the Federal Reserve, not the, not the policymakers, but staffers, they knew what was going on. Some of them did anyway. Without that inflation, the oil price shock becomes disinflation. And then eventually, if we're not, if we're unlucky, deflation. That's really the thing. Once you have a weak economy, shock of oil prices, it doesn't make inflation. It doesn't make a great inflation. It doesn't make sustained consumer prices. It actually hurts the economy to the extent that it has to roll over. Demand diminishes for oil and for everything else. And it's almost like the economy resets. That's what you see in the 1970s, apart from the legitimate great inflation, which was underlying all of it. And we've already seen this happen in just the past couple years. Let's go back to March, April, May, and June of 2022. Remember the sequence of events here. 
We had the Russian invasion of Ukraine in February of 2022 through March. Oil prices surged well over $120 per barrel. And inflation expectations or CPI expectations in the tips markets, these break-evens that we're talking about, those surged with oil prices initially. And oil prices backed off, so did inflation break-evens and ticks and tick. And then they had that second oil price spike beginning in May and lasting into early June. Or actually, I think it began in April, lasting through May and into early June of 2022. So oil prices go way up, even higher than they had been in March. But inflation break-evens or CPI break-evens, the tips break-even rates, those actually continue to decline. So oil prices went this way and tips break-evens went this way. Because the market was thinking in 2022, this second oil price spike or the sustained oil price pressure, that's not going to be inflationary. That's going to be disinflationary. And guess what? That proved to be accurate. That proved to be a correct prediction. Because not only did oil prices fall from June, we see CPIs and even core rates to an extent, producer prices all over the world, especially core rates and, and lately, those started to change behavior around June. The tips market correctly identified that that last uh, oil price spike in uh, May and June of 2022, that was going to be too much. Demand was going to have to, the too much demand was going to be destroyed, leaving the economy in a very different state afterward. Not an inflationary state, but initially a disinflationary state, which is exactly what we have seen up until this point. Now we've got another eruption where, as I said, oil prices are rising, not because of demand for oil, but because almost exclusively supply. The Saudis are cutting supply. OPEC is, is going along with production cuts. American production isn't really ramping up to make up the difference. Instead, we're trying to make up the difference with using oil that we have in inventories that are going down and down and down, supporting higher prices. We have prices going up. But again, as I said, this time, just like in May and June of 2022, the tips market is pricing the behavior in oil markets very differently than you would expect. You would expect that, again, oil prices go up. That means more rate hikes. That means more consumer prices, more inflation, all that stuff. But TIPS is saying it's not happening. Bond market altogether is saying it's not likely to become more sticky consumer price pressures. It's likely to lead to the type of, of situation like 1974, like 1980, worse than maybe 2022, which did lead to a recession in parts around the world. And we'll, we'll, we'll see if that includes the United States or not. We'll probably take a couple more months for, uh, for that to be confirmed. But either way, 2023, we see oil prices go up, but reaction to it, very different. The reaction to it is increasingly deflationary. Increasingly, this is a this is an oil shock too far. These are prices that have gone too far. So maybe, just maybe, this latest spike in oil prices up to, what is it, $86, $87 per barrel in the United States, above 90 in Brent and other places around the world, other benchmarks around the world. Maybe that's just too far this time. Rather than just being disinflationary like last year, 
We have an economy that has suffered over the last year and a half, that no longer has the same nominal cushion, that in the United States no longer has access to all of those pandemic savings, Uncle Sam's benefits and, and gifts and stipends. The markets are saying this last oil price spike, that's not inflationary, as most people will believe. That's actually deflationary. It's extending an economy that can no longer afford to pay that price. If you want to see more about money printing, inflation, the great inflation, all that not good stuff, check out the video at the link below me. As always, I thank you very much for joining me. Huge thank you, Eurodollar University subscribers, and of course, our Eurodollar University members. Until next time, take care.